So the big question is this, how can kingdom minded, for purpose, entrepreneurs like us, those who are committed to building big things with their life through their business, do it in a way that they don't lose their body, they don't lose their balance, those closest relationships that mean the most to them, and their being, their connection and daily walk with Christ. How can we build, expand, and create in such a way that we hear, well done, good and faithful servant? That is the question. And this podcast is centered around those who are on this journey at a high level and their tips, systems, routines, and mindsets that have enabled them to pull this off. My name is Forrest Walden. Welcome to Tribecast. Welcome to Tribecast. I am Forrest Walden, your host, and today I'm excited to have Brian and Shannon Miles on the show. And this is a first for us. We've never had husband and wife at the same time, so this will be fun. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you, Forrest. Yeah, thanks for having us. Brian and Shannon are founders and own Belay Solutions as well as a company that's really intriguing that I want to get into called Own Not Run. And doing a little research on these guys for the show, I came across a headline from a Money Magazine article, and I thought it was the perfect headline. And it says, how this married couple built a $100 million company without killing each other. So <laughs> love that. It's a great intro. Uh, but welcome to the show. And, and tell us a little bit about you guys and, and about your company. Yeah, like I said, thanks for having us on. I'm glad we could be the first couple on your show. Um, Yeah, so Brian and I have been together forever. Um, We (laughs) met when I was 17 and he was 19. 19. Um, And that was in college and um, got married a couple years later, so midway through. And um, couple years after that, we graduated and moved down to Atlanta from Ohio where we met in school and, um, just started our journeys on the corporate path. You know, Brian, it was like the height of the tech boom. So Brian worked for a tech startup that shocker didn't make it through. It was, it was a dot bomb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were plenty of those. Yeah. And I started down the route, um, in a corporate legal environment that opened up a lot of opportunities in that corporation. So, um, yeah, I don't know where you want me to take it from here, but I could go straight into the belay journey or we could talk about family or, or those early. Yeah, let's, yeah. yeah, let's start with, with belay. I know you guys started in 2010, which ironically is when iron drive was founded as well. A lot of people told me as I'm sure they did you probably not the best time to start a business, but when you have that gut feeling that there's a need in the market and I, I know you guys did, uh, that's when you started. Yeah. So we, <clears throat> you know, during the great recession starting in 08, you know, we, we saw the unemployment numbers climb just like everybody else. And so when we thought, let's do this in 2010, a lot of our close friends and family thought we were nuts. Um, and, you know, it was nuts. We cashed out our 401ks, um, advice I don't tell other people to do, but it was the right thing for us to do at the time. And we used that as our startup capital in late 2010 when the unemployment rate was 9.6%. Now, today... That would be great. That's a great. We want to get back there. But uh, back then it was quite scary, but we just felt like, you know, we could be first to market domestically with a solution that made sense. And it turned out it was the right decision. And ultimately there were some personal compelling reasons why we needed to make a change. I mean, at that point we had a five-year-old daughter 
and a two-year-old son. And I was working still in, in that corporation. Brian was working for a company that had him on the road almost every day of the week. Like he was flying all over the country, managing projects and leading a sales team and was never home. And, you know, that just was not sustainable for our family. And so we knew even personally that we had to make a change in our family life so that we could ultimately get to where we wanted to be. And so Belay predominantly places virtual assistants and bookkeeping services. Um, Anything else in addition to that? Yeah, we also provide website assistance. So essentially a virtual webmaster for businesses. And also just recently we added social media strategist uh, to Hmm. our core services. So yeah, those, those four um, types of roles can walk alongside a growing business uh, that needs help like that. And I know you were impacted by Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Work Week, but your vision was more creating domestic assistance and not offshoring all the, these uh, services. So tell me a little bit about that. Sure. That, that book was pretty pivotal for me to go, oh, wow. One, here's a guy that really has figured out how to you know, scale a business without killing himself. But then also, he pointed to all these overseas solutions that we looked at that and we said, well, you know, there's got to be a domestic provider of this type of service. And there were, but they were just, they were small and, um, you know, pretty much um, just not known. So we felt like we had an opportunity to get first to market. And I think it's a good point to say that I am also a customer of Belay. Both me and my president, Karen, have our own virtual assistant through Belay. We're about 60 days into that process, and it's been fantastic. So awesome to hear the journey behind it now that I'm a recipient of what you created. That's fantastic. I love it. You're you're still early on, so you still have plenty of time to realize the value, but I'm glad it's been good so far. You know, it was interesting. I was having a conversation with my wife yesterday. We're trying to plan a ski trip and she was frustrated. And I said, hey, let's just hand this off to Allie. And she's like, we can do that. I'm like, yeah, we can do that. (laughs) It's not just business. We can hand stuff off. So, yeah, huge value add. And we'll get more into that. But talk a little bit about. Let me just say really quick. I think that that points to something that a lot of leaders forget about. And it's that you're a leader at home as much as you're a leader in a workplace. And there are opportunities to offload or to delegate things that in the middle of your workday or for your wife that other people can be doing that are what we consider the more of a lower payoff activity. So that's cool that you guys figured that out. Well, you've helped us. And one thing I was clear with Allie from the beginning is I want it to be across both, you know, our home life and work life because there's really not much divide when you're an entrepreneur. It kind of all runs together. Um, So talk about the growth of Belay. And I know you've got some high profile clients like Damon John and others. Just give us a little landscape of kind of where it's gone from that start in 2010 when you burned the boats. Yeah. So Damon John is a really great client, but also a really great advocate for our business too. And another guy that's on his team is Ted and Ted's kind of Damon's right hand guy. And together they've just done a, um, a really a bang up job working with our team and, and um, we're incredibly grateful. We do work with the several high profile folks that, you know, authors and, you know, people that are kind of speakers and so forth. And we're grateful for that. But I'll be honest with you, I'm actually more excited about the business person that is in our country that needs relief and maybe they're, you know, overseeing a manufacturing job somewhere in Kansas, you know, and they need relief mm-hmm. as much as anybody because they have soccer practice to get to and they've got 
teams to lead and they've got things to do. And we get to come alongside folks like that. And that's really the name belay. Um, it's a rock climbing term, but that's the purpose behind it is we're helping our clients as they climb higher. And that's the intent behind that with our services is to serve you know, folks like that. So it's super cool that we get to work with guys like Damon, but it's also really cool to work with clients um, that, you know, just need our help administratively. And I know you guys are super focused on a purpose driven business and you see it much more of adding value to that customer than just placing them with an assistant. So give me a story of someone who was able to maybe offload some of the things that they were holding on to enable them to go out and impact others at a higher extent. Yeah, we have a client that joined us, I don't know, probably six or nine months ago now after just hitting the lid of his capacity over and over again. And it so much so that it started to impact his health. And he went to a doctor's appointment where he got some discouraging results from blood work. And he just realized, like, I'm neglecting myself for the sake of this business and ultimately ultimately it's going to affect my marriage and my family too. So I got to get a handle on this. So he became a belay virtual assistant client and early on gave his assistant permission to speak into those areas of his life too, not just the business, like holding him accountable to getting up and working out, blocking his schedule so that he would have time to uh, eat healthy food and go to those doctor's appointments for follow-ups. And it was a transformational point in his life where he realized like, I I still can be a a business leader and grow my organization, but I don't have to sacrifice my health because of that, but I can't do it all by myself. And um, that was just so encouraging when we heard his story and actually got to meet him face to face, which is rare for us because we're a completely remote organization. So that doesn't always happen. Um, And just how passionate he was about his business again, like he had been in the beginning. So that was a really cool experience to get to meet Jason and hear his story. And that's such a great example because by servicing him and letting him get rid of some of these things and add some accountability, it transformed a whole another domain of his life, which the show's all about being a four dimensional leader. Uh, and it'll be a great transition into body here in a minute. But I do want to talk about a couple of things you brought up. So you talk about being a virtual company. So what does that look like? How many staff members do you have? Is there a corporate office? Do you run it out of your home? What does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with your growth question earlier, you know, in the beginning when Brian and I started and we left our jobs at the same time, it was, we were remote because we couldn't afford an office, <laughs> um, sure. so we started, you know, working out of our basement and having our, ourselves a five hour a week virtual assistant and outsourced our bookkeeping. So the services that we provide are the ones that we needed to begin with too. And, um, as we grew in headcount, we felt this pressure to get an office, but could never justify doing so not only financially, but also it kind of undermines our business model, right? All of the services that we provide are remote. So all 1000 of our team members work from home, whether they are the contracted website specialist or social media strategist or bookkeeper, or on our corporate team that do things like sales, marketing, finance, HR, all of that. 
So even right now, you know, pre-pandemic, we've all worked remote. So we were well positioned to weather this, you know, storm where everybody had to shelter in place. One thing too, I'd like to add is that we've never, <clears throat> we've never seen an office as something that creates culture. Um, oftentimes when you ask a business owner about their company culture, they'll point to a building or a physical space. And we don't believe that actually, we believe that culture is shared vision. It has absolutely nothing to do with a, a facility or a building itself. And you're actually somewhat of an expert on this topic. You just wrote a book. It's sitting next to my office chair. I haven't gotten it yet, gotten to it yet. But talk about your new book. Well, it's uh, it's a book where back in 2017, um, Entrepreneur Magazine ranked us as the number one company culture. And on that list, uh, after being number one, two through 50, um, were organizations that had offices. So we got some notoriety for, um, well, you know, how in the world did you get to the top of this list without an office? So it felt like the right time after answering those questions to create a book that was essentially our playbook on how we created our company culture. Yeah, really look forward to reading that. So how many, what does your team look like now? How many are you leading? Is there an, an executive team or sure. are predominantly uh, just the actual assistants themselves? Yeah, well, right now, Shannon and I serve in a co-chair capacity for Belay. And um, we have a CEO, her name is Trisha. She reports to us on the board. And then we have um, a capable leadership team that oversees the business on a day-to-day basis, you know, with mid-level managers and folks that are kind of doing the work of our corporate team. And that's about 90 to 100 people. And then on top of that are the people that actually are the client-facing people, the virtual assistants, the bookkeepers, the social media strategists, and so forth. There's uh, over 900 of those. So they're all in the United States. This is a completely domestic U.S.-based solution. Um, But our team is well over 1,000 currently. Very cool. And so even the structure that you're laying out there, you're not even the CEO of your company. You've moved to a co-chair with Shannon. Mm -hmm. And I think that set up your next business endeavor, Own Not Run. Is that correct? It is. So Shannon and I, we own an organization that's a kind of a holding company, if you will. And part of that, we created Own Not Run to basically help business leaders own their businesses, not run their businesses. Now, we recognize that on a kind of a spectrum of business ownership, There might be several people that are just starting and they're like, man, I can't even comprehend the idea of jumping the chasm just to be the owner. We get that. But we really kind of focus our energy and time on those that are more the the presidents or the CEOs. And they do want to jump the chasm to to true ownership and hand off their business to somebody that can really run the company better than they could. And so our emphasis is um, really helping business owners enjoy the freedom of their companies versus becoming a slave to it. Mm. Well, I think any entrepreneur uh, would dream of the reality of handing their business off and still overseeing it and being a part of it, but not being in the minutiae day to day. So that's yeah. really cool. How many companies are you working with with that company? Well, right now it's mostly content. So we're working to provide um, meaningful content to folks. We don't consult um, through that organization. We, we do. Um, we do. Shannon and I have the opportunity and we do occasionally invest and organizations that we really believe in. Um, and obviously, Own Not Run is a good funnel for that. But really, it's a content company where we're teaching people how to kind of build those principles or those practices in the place for helping them own their companies, not run them. 
Well, something I will definitely want to talk to you further about because I'm very interested. All right. So great snapshot of where you guys are with your business. Obviously, very successful, a thousand employees, you know, hundred million dollar company plus. Um, but what I really want to talk about is how do you do all that and not lose your body, not lose your marriage, not lose your connection with God in the process? So let's start with body. Um, what does your routine look like? How do you prioritize that um, so that you can show up and lead in power? I'll start and I'll let Brian go next. Um, I mean, for me, I have been working out consistently for a long time. So that translates to about four days a week on average. And, um, it's a combination of cycling, yoga, weight training. Um, I used to run and then I turned 40 and I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. So (laughs) that is not part of my practice. Um, my knees told me to stop. So, um, yeah, I, I do that mostly from home, um, but then also have a yoga studio that I enjoy going to as well. So even your weightlifting, you have a home gym? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm a big fan. For me, um, I'm far from perfect. You know, they're like, for example, this week, I'm not feeling well. So uh, today's workout looked like me stretching and sitting in the sauna. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I tried to get in a run. you know, later th- th- this past weekend when I wasn't feeling great, but you know, in general, I think if I can do four to five days a week, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that from an exercise standpoint. I do a mix of cardio, uh, and then, you know, free weights and stretching, um, less so, uh, like yoga, but more just kind of the stretching side or the, the roller in our home gym. And then, um, you know, I, I periodically get the opportunity to climb or go backpacking. So we'll do hiking, you know, where we'll carry weighted packs and, you know, just kind of make sure those muscle groups are ready to go. But that's, that's kind of the gist of, um, our, our workouts, mm-hmm. I think. And I know you just did a recent trip. It looked epic with another guest, future guest on the show, Daniel Tardy, yeah. uh, pretty, pretty awesome looking trip there. That was an awesome trip. Tardy and I had a lot of fun in the backcountry in Wyoming. So, one of the things you talked about, even the example with your belay uh, case study that I asked about was the fact that it's a common narrative for entrepreneurs to, you know, set their hair on fire, work, you know, from morning to night and really lose the priority of their body and their fitness. Is that something you guys have been able to maintain as a focus or was there a time you had to recalibrate and say, okay, this needs to go on the calendar like everything else? It's been a journey. I think different seasons of the business have been more intense and time consuming than others. So those are really easy times to say, "Eh, I'll work out tomorrow or yeah, I'm just going to eat like crap because it makes me feel happy right now. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, little choices like that over time really add up. And both of both Brian and I have had moments where we've said, okay, we've got to, you know, regroup and, um, get things back in alignment because our priorities are out of whack. And, you know, for me, it's translated to gaining more weight than I'm comfortable with and needing to, you know, track my fiber and carb intake. And for Brian, it's, it's been like, oh my gosh, I'm having a heart attack, you know, like way yeah. intense, you know, medical concerns. So I think that it's, it's stress manifests itself differently in the two of us. 
So with your teams and even maybe with the content of Own Not Run, is that something you guys stress for balance with your leaders and and the companies you're working with? Yeah, definitely. I think the maybe the underlying theme of all of the Own Not Run content is you're you're growing an organization, you're building a business not for the sake of being a business owner, but for a greater long-term vision that you have for your life or for your family. It's your why has to be much bigger than I want to own this business. And so with that comes a healthy marriage, a healthy family, taking care of your body and keeping your spirit intact and thriving. Um, Cause all the business is meant to serve those purposes, not the other way around. Very well said and a perfect transition into balance, which on the show we define as your marriage and, and your kid relationship with your kids. Um, so you guys, I know, have a very powerful why that's bigger than belay, that's bigger than own, not run. So talk about that and how that really has driven what you've built, how you've built it, how you've structured it. Yeah. So Shannon and I um, have really kind of got to this place where we're not aiming for great companies or great businesses that produce profit or revenue. Those are nice. Those are important things, but that's not what we're aiming at. We're actually aiming at a really great marriage because if that's the case and we're in our seventies and our eighties and we're on some beach somewhere in the world and we're healthy, we still love each other and like each other. Our adult kids love and like each other a lot. And we have the financial means to be there. That's more of what we're aiming at than, um, some business that's in the current moment. Um, and that, that to me really is just a powerful, powerful, like, you know, you hear the, the why power, you know, that's what that is for us. That's the why behind why we op- you know, operate the way we do. And, you know, touching on kind of like the four dimensions, I've, I've really, <clears throat> I believe in them and I know that they're very important, but I, I also don't expect myself to be perfect either. It's sure. about being perfect in those four areas consistently all the time. And it's more about how I choose to expand and grow who I am and, and push forward through that. So um, I don't want to lose sight of that, that, you know, you might be a person that's, you know, busting your butt in your business right now. And that's kind of your focus. Just, you know, give yourself a break, you know, mm-hmm. you know, do your best to kind of come more full center and, and focus on your wife, kids or your spouse, you know, and obviously your, your walk with God. Um, but don't, don't hold yourself to a perfect standard. That's impossible. And you'll get frustrated really easy. Um, I feel like you're reading my mail because my wife and I had a conversation not too long ago where she said, look, I hear you talking about this, you know, four dimensional men and body being balanced in business. And are you striving for perfection in each one? Because I'm not sure it's possible. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't either. So I'll take that pressure off of you. It's not possible. Um, but with you guys, your why, that vision, I know it's not just some ethereal kind of foggy vision out in the future. You've really distilled it down into things you are proactively doing as a family, family mantras, family meetings, things like that. That's the kind of thing I'm interested in. What are those rhythms, habits, systems you guys have uh, put into place inside of your family so that you actually do arrive there one day and it's not just a hope? couple things. Um, just high level, we've always been really fluid and integrated with our home and our business life, partly because we've worked from home and also because we wanted to include our kids in at the appropriate levels in, in knowledge of the business so that someday they wouldn't ever devoid the fact that 
the reason we can travel and take these amazing vacations is because we're, we've got these businesses, right? So they could connect those dots and, and not feel entitled. Um, but then practically how that's translated, uh, probably a couple of years ago now, we read one of Pat Lynchoni's books, um, the... Three Questions for a Frantic Family. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a minute. But it basically applies the business principles that he talks about, like in the advantage to your family. Like if you're as intentional in your family as you are in your business, your family can actually thrive more. And so we implemented some of the concepts from that book um, and created a Miles family plan where we got together and distilled down what makes our family unique. And we came up with a mantra around that. And then from there, you established a two to six month rally cry. Um, it could be prepare for summer. It could be enjoy the season, whatever, whatever your family is focused on, all four of us um, for the next season ahead. And then you distill down from there, what the quote unquote defining objectives would be. So what are the things that we measure as a family that can tell us, are we enjoying, enjoying the season right now? And so that's Brian and I taking ownership in a couple, Rainey taking ownership in two of her things and Harper taking ownership in two of his. And we review those on a biweekly basis. And it's not a crazy long meeting. I think the book recommends nothing more than 10 minutes. Ours is usually somewhere between 20 and 30. Um, but it gives our family a chance to reconnect and recalibrate and make sure that we are encouraging each other and what we're trying to accomplish and uh, removing any barriers that may be in place for helping everybody achieve those, you know, achieve those defining objectives. And just, it's a great point of conversation and reconnection. And it's a good reminder of why we do this. Yeah. I think too, <clears throat> the reason also is we were able to you know review schedules, just make sure everybody's on the same page with that. But in terms of, in terms of our, um, objectives, we actually score ourselves with the red, yellow, green sticker. Um, and there's a moment of accountability, you know, mm -hmm. that, that happens there as well. And mom and dad do it too. So we just want our kids to learn that intention can actually pay off if you're consistent with it over a long period of time. And we wanted our kids to love our business, not hate our business when they were older. So it's mm -hmm. our practical way of demonstrating that. And, you know, to your point earlier about, you know, not being perfect, we get yellow sometimes things don't always track as we had planned. And I think it's important for them to see that that's okay. That's part of life. You're not always going to get a green, you know, sticker every time there are ebbs and flows. And, and I hope that that's modeling something healthy for them. Such a great topic. I want to dive into a couple of things. So I assume there's maybe some type of annual meeting where you set this all up and, and that kind of sets the stage for these 20, 30 minute, was it weekly, bi-weekly meetings? They're bi-weekly, but it's not annual. We basically look at seasons of time, whatever that might be. For example, right now, our current, um, our current focus and our current rally cry is called Enjoy the Seasons. And it's really from when school started um, up through about the end of Christmas. And so for us, we're just reminding ourselves we need to enjoy the season, but there's things we need to execute on. There's things we need to do. Now, as we get into the end of the year at our family meeting, we'll set up, okay, well, what's the next season look like for us as a family? Mm -hmm. We'll kind of give it a title, and then that will become the new uh, rally cry uh, that, that we'll go after for the, for the next season ahead. Mm -hmm. So it's less annual and it's more seasonal. 
Got it. Makes sense. And I think we skipped over the fact we didn't really talk about your kids. So you've got two kids. What are their ages? Yeah. Oh, yeah, them. (laughs) We're biased, but they're two really great kids. Um, Our son, Harper, he's 12. And our daughter, Rainey, she's uh, almost 15. And um, just really great kids. We're, We're proud to be their parents. And are they in public school, private school, homeschool? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're in public school. Our county gave the option of going back in person or virtual. They both wanted to go back in person. So sure. it's their first years in their new environment. So Rainey started high school and Harper started middle school. So we figured even if at some point we do end up reverting back to virtual, at least they will have met their teachers and you know gotten to reconnect with their friends and make some new ones along the way. Our daughter is more inclined like toward the arts. So she's in you know advanced drama and tech theater and loves that angle of of development and our son is way more physical. So he's, he's a little ninja. He's in a dojo program. Um, he's been in for a couple of years. So to, you know, go back to the family plan, like one of his goals, one of his defining objectives is to get his next belt. So Mm. yeah, they're two entirely different people for all the reasons, you know, boy, girl, age, interest, all of that, but they have a really great relationship with each other. So they're actually in school physically five days a week. Yes. Yeah. Okay. My kids are two day physical and the rest virtual, but they would love to be all physical at this point. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what about you guys? So I understand the family system. I know it helps with you matching schedules and all that, but, um, is there weekly date nights? Is there times you guys carve out just to spend time alone? That's not focused on your businesses. I know working together and being married that can, those can can collide. How do you keep those, those sacred times? Well, we don't do weekly date nights. Uh, And a lot of the reason behind it is because we travel quite a bit together uh, for, you know, we, we just have opportunities where date nights can happen. Um, We're very, we're very fortunate to be in that position. Um, we are pretty intentional though, in terms of our time together when we're out traveling at home, like Shannon mentioned earlier, we're pretty fluid. You know, she needs to talk about business at nine o'clock at night. We'll talk about business at nine o'clock at night, you know, or there's times where she'll say, I've had it up to here. I don't want to talk about business. I respect that. And we, we talk about it in the morning. So we're just pretty fluid in that sense that we're in this together. You know, we've, we've approached it as we're all in it. And, um, so something needs to be said and it needs to be said, but in terms of our relationship, you know, we, we have a lot of things in common that we enjoy and, um, you know, we just find there's plenty of opportunities for us to kind of be around each other and with each other and be intentional with each other. Mm-hmm. Our routines are kind of, align and you know we'll get up around the same time and kind of do our own things get the kids off to school and then you know we'll have our different things that we need to accomplish for work and then come together sometimes for lunch and hang out and then the kids get home and we'll have dinner together and then do whatever they need to do and then we always like end our night like watching tv and just kind of edging out mm-hmm. <laughs> together. so it's you know and it's changed over time he used to be way more of a night owl and now he's like an early bird. And so we just kind of try to flex with where each other are and kind of meet each other at our current season, knowing that we've raised each other. Like I said, we've been together forever. So we've gone through a lot of different iterations of what our rhythms and flows look like together. Well, over the last six months, when you probably haven't been traveling as much as you're used to together, sure. how has that changed your 
your patterns? <laughs> it's changed a lot. I think we both just looked at each other when the kids went back to school, like, oh my gosh, that was the longest summer we've ever <laughs> Longest <laughs> spring break. <laughs> you know, it was a long summer when your kids are ready to go back to school. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they were dying. So oh, funny. You know, I personally, I won't speak for Shannon, but there was a season of time in this whole COVID mess when everybody was kind of shut down where um, I was probably a little bit depressed and pissed off and uh, probably drank a little bit too much alcohol and just kind of, you know, just kind of had more questions than answers at that point and probably wasn't my best self. Um, but I, but at the same time, you know, it also, I look back on that time and it's like, wow, we did have meaningful conversations and we did connect and we had a lot of time around each other in a great way. So it was, you know, definitely um, an opportunity to learn and, and a blessing of time with each other in a, in a way where really the whole world took a time out and we were part of that experiment. You know, with you guys already being virtual, you probably didn't have to pivot as much as a lot of businesses. We had a huge pivot. I'm literally sitting in a brand new studio production room that we had to build to deliver online workouts that we weren't doing before. Did you feel like you had an advantage with this uh, kind of? meltdown over the pandemic, yeah. the fact that you already were virtual. I mean, you were prepared for that. Yeah. Not, not only were, were we at an advantage, but we were also, we became um, really a spokesperson for how to work from home. We, mm-hmm. we um, really from like mid March through late May, we spent a lot of time with media talking about how to work from home and, you know, what it means to be a parent working from home or where you have a spouse working from home with you. And now you're a teacher as well. So we, we spent a lot of time basically helping people understand that we have a lot of free resources still on our website at belaysolutions.com where you can go there and, and get a truckload of free resources. Um, that was during the time that we shared, mm-hmm. uh, with folks. So yeah, we, we felt like we were an advantage, you know, we, and the other cool thing from a pure business standpoint was, you know, obviously selling virtual services before this all happened. And there was always this like, well, I don't know if this is really going to work. And, you know, can the virtual thing really be a long-term solution for my business? Well, after March 15th of this year, no one asks us the question anymore. Well, mm-hmm. How does the whole work from home thing work? Mm. You know, that's over. So we've, we've really been validated in terms of our business model too. And it, you know, we've been doing this for 10 years. So did that, did that actually fuel growth? Oh, for sure. Yeah. We, we did see a small dip, uh, just like anybody else. We work with a lot of small businesses that panic. Um, and we experienced that, but then we've grown past it and we're, we're in double digit growth this year. Um, we've had a, we've had very much a V shaped recovery, um, in terms of our business at Belay. That's fantastic. All right. Well, let's transition into the final B and the most important, I always say at the end, that's being our connection with God. Um, talk about that as your foundation and how that undergirds just really every aspect of who you are as leaders in your business, stewarding your body, your marriage, your kids, everything. Well, I think for me, <clears throat> you know, when you talk about a relationship with God, I, I, I mean, I have to get very specific about it and just say that I have a personal relationship with Jesus. And that means that daily I am talking to him and I'm interacting with him and I'm inviting him into my life. Um, and it, it's kind of a, it's a whole thing. It's not kind of a compartment thing. It's not like it's the bee that surrounds all the other bees, if you will, from a body being in balance in business. And so, um, that's when I say about having a relationship with God or a connection to God, that's exactly what I mean is it's a personal daily 
walking alongside relationship with Jesus. Mm. And Shana, you? Yeah. And I mean, for me, I, I think this is probably the area where I am least structured and least consistent, not in my belief and my faith, but in the practices that surround it. Um, and I, you know, I'm tempted to say, well, COVID, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, the reality is, you know, I've been sporadically listening to the sermons or watching the sermons online when I could be more consistent there. I've been sporadically reading the Bible, which I could be more consistent there and devotionals. Um, but my, my faith journey as of late, probably since February or so of this year has been more introspective in doing some deep work on myself, um, in terms of reconciling some things from my past and working with a counselor in that. So my faith journey recently has been very, um, like unrooting things from the past and doing some deep work there. And that's how it's manifested itself for me currently. I mean, I became a Christian when I was 13. I didn't necessarily grow up in the church, but my parents came to faith when I was an adolescent and it, it changed our family. It changed my life and we were all baptized together. And so I have a really strong foundation in that and have been blessed to have attended North Point Community Church and one of its partner churches for the last 20, 20 years or so. And so I have, you know, no shortage of access to, you know, spiritual tools and resources to grow. Um, I think I could, I could benefit in being more consistent in accessing those resources. So, We've talked a lot about just kind of the structure and the way you guys have laid out your life to <clears throat> make sure you're hitting on all these domains. What what does the perfect morning look like? Are you guys, you mentioned Brian's a early riser now. Just when you're on your A game, what does that look like for you guys? And for me, <clears throat> I really do leverage the core four strategy. Um, it's a little bit harder when I'm traveling uh, for obvious reasons. But for us, the, the, for me, I use the core four strategy. So I, I spend... Um, time journaling, praying, um, meditating. I look at ways to expand the business and I'm studying something. Um, and then I'm obviously um, doing my best to kind of get my day started right in terms of not only just mentally, but also physically with a workout of some sort. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm making sure that I'm intentional in terms of the deposits that I need to make with my kids or with my wife from a relational standpoint. So for me, if I do those four things across those four areas, I feel like I'm on fire and I, and I, and I feel like, you know, the day ahead is a really amazing day. And when I lay my head down at night, um, let's just say I didn't get to all of it. Um, and, 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 and again, it's for me, it's not about being perfect. It's about expanding. I can lay my head down at night knowing that my perfect heavenly father saw it all. And I did my best, um, to steward that day. And what, what time do you wake up? What time do I wake up? Mm-hmm. Around 7 a.m. Okay. And what? How, how much sleep do you strive for a night? Uh, I'm probably, if I get eight hours, I'm doing great. Yeah. Eight hours is amazing. Um, <laughs> and you reference Core 4, any of you wondering what he's talking about there, you can go back to Episode 8 where I talk about morning routines and I lay out exactly what the Core 4 is, same thing I do. So uh, good tip there for sure. What about you, Shane? Yeah, I get up at seven also. And, 
usually just put my workout gear on right away because if I don't, I'll tuck myself out of it at some point along the day. Um, and the kids start to come downstairs around 7.15. So I've really tried this year. No, I actually haven't tried. I've done this year. I've made myself available to them in the mornings. And normally when my feet hit the ground, I'm doing laundry, straightening up the living room, doing dishes, floating around the house, like getting it perfect for the day. And I've intentionally waited to do that kind of stuff until they're both off to school because I found that just sitting in the kitchen, having a cup of coffee, they talk to me. They remember things that happened the day before that they were just too exhausted to recall or they talk about something there, you know, a test that, that's coming up or a friend that they're having an issue with or whatever it is. Just I'm carving out from like seven to eight thirty for that availability. You know, it Sorry. reminds me. <laughs> no, that's such a good point. It reminds me of some advice we got from some uh, parents who are a little bit older than us in their journey. And they said, you want to really know your kids, be there and be awake when they come home and feed them. And when they come home late at night, 10, 30, 11, feed them. You'll hear all about what's going on, all about their friends. But that's tough for me because I get up at five o'clock. So I value my sleep. But, you know, you made that distinction. You made yourself available. It's awesome. Yeah. And right. you know, I don't have to start work right at 830. I have the, the fortune of being able to then work out after that. And so I used to wake up at 545 and get my workout in before then. But Thank God not. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I wanted to work. I wasn't sure where to work it in, but I do want to talk about just briefly as we kind of come to a close here, the Enneagram, because I know you guys are not, not only passionate about it, but experts. And how does that fit in just to knowing each other and relating across all these domains and, and really building something together? I certainly wouldn't consider us an expert, <laughs> however, but thank you. Uh, what I would say is that it has been a great benefit to our businesses. Uh, we've, we've definitely encouraged this um, in, inside of our organizations to learn each other and to learn kind of those attributes to equal those things. For me, uh, I'm an eight wing eight that I, I like to joke and say, but I'm, I'm probably an eight wing seven. Uh, I'm definitely a challenger. Um, and I'm definitely a, a very driven, focused guy. So it, it, it nailed me to a T. And then just like normally it happens, you know, opposites attract. Shannon is a seven wing eight. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when we're both in a healthy spot, it's amazing. It's like a wonderful chemistry. But when we're in an unhealthy spot, it's like we're a hot mess. So, uh, you know, it's good to learn about the Enneagram, I, um, just like any other one, like Myers-Briggs or yes. DISC or whatever. But this one, I've rarely heard someone say, you know, I, I just disagree with this outcome mm -hmm. after doing the assessment. It's been the most consistent one that we've seen so far. What's been helpful, too, too, is there are resources out there that talk about what is it like when a seven and eight are in relationship with each other? Hmm. How does it look when they're healthy? How does it look when they're unhealthy? Where are most of their conflicts? And for our two personalities, like their high energy love to always have things going on, excited about risk, but that can also cause conflict and tension too when you're taking on 
so much at once. And I think it's, you know, I just love that kind of stuff in general. I'm fascinated with the psychology of it all. Um, but it's been a really practical tool to say, okay, I know Brian's under a really stressful time. Let me pull out the road back to you and look at his chapter and see if, if his behavior is, you know, explained by what he's going through. Okay. It is cool. I, I'm going to give him a lot more grace. Mm. Um, and I think it's just been a tool to kind of help us not own, only understand ourselves as individuals, but how we interact together. And the road back to you is that a Enneagram book? Yeah, it's Ian Morgan Cron and Susan um, Suzanne. Hold on, I'll find it. I've got it right next to me. But yeah, it's it's a super easy read, and it goes through all the nine numbers and the wings, and and explains the Enneagram to a very digestible level. Okay. All right, guys. Well, final question. What would your advice be for the listener who wants to build something of value with their life and they don't want to lose their body, their marriage, their kids, or their faith in the process? If we were to just kind of sum up this conversation, what would your advice be? For me, I would say that um, it's the recognition that the life that you have is a gift. And so um, if you could approach your life from a way that this gift that you've been given, you're supposed to steward it really well. And it doesn't mean that you're just supposed to uh, steward one aspect of it. You know, there's, there's many dimensions to your life. The four that we specifically covered kind of on this, um, this interview, but you, to, to be a good steward of the life that you've been given and to, to look back um, on the course of your life over time and say, well, I wasn't perfect, but I did expand. I wasn't perfect, but I, I did grow in these areas and, and look at the, the legacy that I've been afforded because I, I focused in on this stuff on a consistent basis and I was a good steward of it. I think that that's a life really well lived. I agree with you. And, uh, you know, the parable of the talents is always so impactful to me that we're not really, you know, we're not going to be held accountable to what we have. We're going to be accountable to what we did with what we have. Jesus says the same thing to the two talent servant as he does the five talent servant. And it was just the fact that they expanded what he'd given them. So that's a really good word. Shannon, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, that was awesome. I I think another aspect of that advice would be um, be as healthy as you possibly can be so that you can expand and so that you can serve others. I think it that's one of the few things in life that we can control is our own mental health, our emotional health, our physical health, our spiritual health. And I, and I think the more we strive for those things, the be- better leaders we become and the more we can get out of our own way and, um, and serve others at a higher capacity. So that would be my advice. Such a good point because we can't take others where we aren't already. We can't grow our organizations or our families to a place we're not. And I think you are um, not only saying that as advice, but you're backing it up, doing some of the deep work some people aren't willing to do. Go to talk to a therapist and and kind of explore things in in your past and things you're dealing with. I know I've been doing some of the very same things, and it takes that to be healthy and to be whole and, and to lead. So. Great advice. Uh, you guys are an inspiration, not only with what you've built uh, with your businesses, but your marriage and your family and uh, just perfect for the message that we want to communicate on this show. So thank you again for being on the show. And if anybody wanted to know more, whether it's getting a virtual assistant or maybe they're in a position where they're really trying to make that transition to uh, owning their business and not running, in, how, how do they follow you? 
Okay, so a few different channels. If you're interested in any of the Belay services that we talked about, go to belaysolutions.com. If Own Not Run is something you want to find out more about, you can go to ownnotrun.com, and that's the same um, domain on Instagram where we're putting out a ton of free content. Uh, For us personally, Brian Miles on Instagram, Brian with a Y, and I'm at Shannon K. Miles. Awesome. Well, I know I've enjoyed following you and getting to know you guys. And again, just thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Forrest. We appreciate the opportunity. Thanks a lot. The feedback from Tribecast over the last two seasons has been phenomenal. And one of the most common questions has centered around my willingness or ability to deliver coaching to others. And as I've continued my personal journey on the having it all lifestyle across body, being balance, and business, I've been inspired to create a program that I couldn't find in the marketplace. It's called EX3, and it's for accomplished, kingdom-minded entrepreneurs that know they need a band of brothers to play this game with at the highest level. If that's you and you want to know more about what I'm up to, then head on over to ex3impact.com.